Hello, friends. It's your announcer here. I want to apologize for the extreme delay in releasing this episode. My apartment flooded, and all my toys were sent to storage while they rebuilt it. I also want to reassure you, a lot of jokes are made in this episode around this being the last episode ever. That is not the case. There will be more episodes. Oh, yes, there will be more. Now on with the show. Time now for episode 49 of the Insecurity Show, Fragile Development. This week, we talk about agile development, DevOps, and other development methods. Visit our website at in-security.org for past episodes, show notes, to leave comments, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Insecurity Show. Send us email to feedback at in-security.org. My name is Matt. And my name is Max. Hey, how you doing this week, buddy? Oh, good, man. How are you? Oh, my gosh. So good. Been such a big week. Oh, man. This is massive. It's out of control. This is definitely huge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's exciting? What's what's news and what's uh, what's good? What's good? What's good in your neighborhood? Um, so I found out that last year when we took a slight little tinge of a hiatus, Okay. Uh, there's this company called Silence, and they decided to steal our name for our podcast. Like Max and Matt? Uh, like the Insecurity Podcast. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So I'd appreciate it if everybody would sell them, send them hate mail who listens. Say, <laughs> that was already taken. You're trying to weaponize uh, another our Another podcaster just had this happen to them, but they actually noticed within like a few days of the people doing it, probably because they had like vanity search set up so the uh, risky business podcast okay which is a very very famous podcast and a very good one by patrick gray out of australia some other company decided to call themselves the risky business podcast being an information security podcast and the guy was like you're kidding me right and then everybody dogpiled on them and i'm pretty sure that they're going to change their name meanwhile i noticed very late about this like a year after the fact that they've been publishing weekly podcasts and yeah, I'm pretty sure that they're a big company. We're independent. We don't have that big of a listening audience, and they're going to steamroll us in this one. Uh, I mean, maybe. So So, what do we do? What's your What's your take on that, then? Burn them with fire. We're not, we're not weaponizing our audience. And also, I'm not so sure that I really want to uh, promote witch hunts. They're a big corporation. They have lots of lawyers, and we're little guys. So David and Goliath. Oh, is that how lawyers work? Yeah. The little guy can win. Yeah, because uh, of slings and stones and stuff. Oh my god! Now, now you're promoting throwing rocks at lawyers. <laughs> just, just little ones, and with right. the assistance of a sling. Oh well, that makes it so much easier then. <laughs> and only silence lawyers. Cool, cool. So this is our last episode, anyway. Yeah. Um, you got any follow up? Yeah. No. I. I. I mean, not yet. Uh, so if any of our listeners are uh, good criminal lawyers, please let us know, because Max is about to start throwing rocks. I'm at, desperate need of your help. At yeah. Other people. All right. Well, so no, like, but seriously, though, uh, is, do you have any recommendations? No, I'm struggling with this. I, I just think that people saying, shame, shame, this is not the right course of action to take out a little person just because you're a bigger company. 
should hold weight because they're a company and their reputation is important to them. So if anybody who listens to us who hasn't sent us feedback could at least send them a tweet, that'd be helpful. Yeah. So what's our new show about? What's what's today's episode about? Uh, I thought we would, I thought I'd give you the platform and let you talk all about DevOps. About what? What are <laughs> DevOps? DevOps? Oh, right. DevOps. So <laughs> DevOps is actually really interesting. What we're looking at here is web development. And effectively what we're talking about here is Someone has decided that they're going to try and market a development structure that takes existing development structures and then adds extra layers onto it. So, you know, when people first sold microwaves and they were really good ovens and then people were like, oh, that guy's got a great product. Let's put a clock in it. So then this is what this guy has done. He's taken existing development structures and existing development processes and put a clock in it. All the uh, DevOps so far is just kind of how to use existing development structures, things like agile development. But what they're trying to, I guess, explain to you or, you know, sell to you if you're buying things off the Humble Bundle is... Uh, while you're using all of these existing structures, you should also talk between the developers and operations and maybe get IT involved in the conversation. And that's going to revolutionize everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's DevOps. <laughs> so there's only, I guess, one thing left to say is give yourself a good week. I think maybe... Maybe we caught you at a bad time. I don't know what you're talking about. That's effectively DevOps. This whole DevOps thing is just kind of stupid. Like, I got through five of those videos. Yeah, I didn't realize they were so bad. There's like 2,000 of them, first (laughs) off. And it is some guy who has written the whole thing and then hired some British guy to read it. He's like, Australian? I don't know, whatever, man. He's like, I'm going to be the voice of this guy. And then that's the last time he sounds animated throughout the rest of it. And then <laughs> after that, reads every slide. he's just like, for the inaugural episode of Insecurity, Crystal and Fran take us through the lives of our new BFFs in our minds. Is There's typos on the slides. Whatever, man. DevOps is kind of a lovely idea. It's it's actually a really good idea. The whole <laughs> idea behind it is when you're trying to make a thing, everyone should talk about it. Everything in business for it to be successful should be a conversation because you're never going to know who's going to be the person to pop up with a good idea. It doesn't mean that everyone's going to be presenting good ideas, but it, you should at least listen to the other people's ideas and then be like, that guy is dumb. And then don't invite him to the next meeting. <laughs> and that's the end of DevOps. So what are some of the... So now that I've given such a comprehensive rundown of uh, DevOps... Yeah, I think you might have got a few points wrong, actually. I'm like 100% sure I did not. They spent at least four videos talking about other people's tools and have yet to talk about their tool during the video Ooh. called... Let me discuss my tool and explain what it is. There is no tool. They don't have a tool. No, the, it's an ideal. Yeah, the whole the whole thing. It's it's packed. Is the publisher? And I'm sorry that the videos were garbage. I had just kind of watched the first one, and then I sent them your way, <laughs> thinking that you can do. Maybe he'll he'll be able to understand this garbage. Yeah, you're a developer. 
I'm not a developer. Well, maybe I'm a bit of a developer. <laughs> Whatever, man. And then it had like a bunch of the technologies that are commonly used. And I thought, hey, that's cool. Send it to Matt. Matt, you like it. And then Matt Stevenson said, bah, what are you talking about? I'm Silence. I got my own podcast. I'm Silence. I'm like, <laughs> I steal other people's podcasts. I'm seeing a lot of this in work. It's gaining a lot of traction out there. We should talk about it in the new agile way of doing development. Do you know about agile? I know about agile a little bit. What do you know about agile? Oh, man. Uh... So the agile idea is you break everything into smaller chunks. And then that way, when you try to drop uh, your new album, you don't actually have to drop the whole thing, right? You just drop little pieces of it, which makes it so that uh, if you identify issues, you can sort of work on those like segments as opposed to trying to write, rewrite a billion lines of code. You just have like a small area and then you can use that to, to identify issues and to work it as kind of troubleshooting in, in a way. It makes it so that you're a lot more flexible and able to move and respond quickly because you don't necessarily have to rebuild everything from scratch. You're just rebuilding these small pieces. Yeah, so application development codes, right? You do little sprints of development where you develop, you know, short little bits like modules and features, little features that get out there. Um, Overall, you've got maybe a product brief that talks about like a new, you know, bigger release that you're trying to do that these little sprints will fit into, slot into, and you can, you know, experiment with uh, smaller groups. So agile development is that you've got like, an epic that talks about kind of a larger subset that you want to release. And then you've got your sprints, which are kind of shorter meetings that you have um, and development cycles where you kind of measure what's next, what's next from a how things work kind of perspective. It's what's the next step that I need to do to accomplish my bigger goal, which is kind of the epic view of it. So I want to take and break it into uh, like dumb it down a little bit because I don't even think I did a, a very good job of uh, explaining, but it's Lego. That's pretty much it. You build individual blocks and then you take those blocks and you can slot them into the existing thing. You snap them on uh, wherever you want them. And what it allows you to do is for instance, like you said, if you want to add a feature you build a little, you know, Lego garage to attach onto your Lego house and then you snap it on. And if, you know, you built the door backwards or it only opens halfway, then you can pull it back off because it's its own complete segment that will just snap on to the existing, um, the overarching structure. Yeah. So this is kind of a transformation from object oriented programming where you develop like little functions and features um, on their own, and they fit into a larger development picture. And it's kind of the way that development has been transforming over the past you know, 20 odd years is instead of having one monolithic program, you have smaller components that are building into you know, a bigger piece and you can kind of split the work between more people and all that stuff. So agile development, I mean, the main development methodologies that we have now are waterfall and agile and those are kind of the two two separate ones that are happening waterfall is you work at a big release cycle you plan a lot you develop a lot you test a lot you release anything that's wrong takes a long cycle 
to replan, redevelop, re-release. And what about rollback? So rollback just means that you revert to the previous version for a waterfall release. But so is it long to roll back for waterfall releases? Typically, no, because you have like all of that code that you previously released that you just go back to. Right. You just kind of undo all of that big change that you did. Good, good. Agile development is a continuous cycle of all of that in much shorter time frames. So you'll have planning leading to development, leading to testing, leading to release at the same time as you have another thing as you go from planning from one thing to development into testing, maybe you have another thing going into planning again for the next feature that you're developing. It's much smaller bite-sized chunks to deploy that. Then you can stockpile them up or you can release them right away. It's just a method of, of keeping everybody occupied in a, a little bit more from the development perspective. In my understanding, another sort of interesting piece of agile development is that because it is this sort of Lego idea, you can actually have different projects on the go at the same time. Mm-hmm. People are able to work on their own as long as they don't, there's no crosstalk, um, as long as there's some sort of oversight so that you're not trying to interact with, you know, the same, going back to my Lego analogy, put everything on the same wall of the same house, then you are able to have multiple developers working simultaneously on various different features and various different add-on type things. Well, you can do that in Waterfall too, right? That's just called project management. Just like when you're building a house, you have a bunch of different contractors doing a bunch of different things. They can be all in the same house doing different things at the same time, as long as they're not critical path to each other. Now, isn't it easier, however, with with Agile? Everybody wears a little bit more hats in Agile, I'd say, but it really depends on the development project. So one of my clients, they do Agile development, but they don't do the DevOps version of Agile development. So they just go about chunking up their work into smaller bits of work. And then at one point, they'll kind of release it because they have other regulatory requirements that keep them from releasing quickly. But they they still do the project management component of Agile which is the project managers called a scrum master. Um, They split the work into different pipelines that kind of overlap. They split the workflow to multiple people so that everybody's kind of occupied at the same time. The whole point of agile development is actually to streamline the development process so that everybody's occupied more. Right. From, from the developer side of the house, which leaves operations completely out of the picture at this point in time. DevOps mixes the two. We'll get to that in a bit. More on Agile. Agile have sprints. So sprint is the shortest amount of time from kind of meeting to meeting where you're talking about the actual development cycles of it, where you can re-revise what's an important feature that's being worked on at the point in time. Um, The bigger one is an epic where this is kind of like the feature that you're working towards releasing. And you can have those be really big ones where it's like a whole new version release which is kind of akin to what we see with Waterfall. In everything in Waterfall is really a major release. Or you can keep doing components that eat away at a larger development practice for a feature, and it gets iteratively released. Okay. Now, the whole iterative release thing really sucks if you're not doing DevOps. The whole point of DevOps 
is combining development and operations together. Where in waterfall and just basic agile, people are developing stuff in their bubble and then they're throwing it over the fence saying implement this now devops actually combines the roles together where they actually work towards the common goal so you have people sitting in through the sprints that are actually operations folks that are giving feedback as they go in agile development methodology use something called a kanban board to track kind of the individual accomplishments. And it really helps if everybody's sitting together where you get to mark down, hey, this was a successful, uh, I finished this module, I finished this part for kind of a overall epic that you're developing on. So Kanban board itself is tracking stuff from backlog to in development to in testing to deployed in production. And you just basically move and assign who's responsible for the next step. And this is where it gets back to the getting things done methodology that we've talked about, um, kind of hinted at in the past, the uh, other podcast that handles that. Um, and it's like, it, it's just about what do I need to do next to get the overall goal deployed? And it's keeping those steps manageable, measurable, and on a certain pattern, a uh, timeline for deployment. Okay. So DevOps actually looks at optimizing all of this in a kind of unique way through automation tools. And it treats cloud infrastructure, almost exclusively cloud infrastructure, as code. So you're automating the deployment, spinning up, spinning down of actual cloud infrastructure. That's CPU cycles, networking resources, all of that stuff. Just the same way that you would handle code deployment development in these in the agile methodology so if you have a need for a specific type of operating system or you need a a change to the operating system to accommodate uh, a change to the code for instance there's a new library or, or there's a new dependency on an underlying infrastructure component like java that goes along with the code normally that would be two separate work streams where you need the operations person to deploy the newest version of java and then the development people to deploy that version of, of Java or PHP or whatever, right? It doesn't matter. Where the dependencies are built into the code, they also need to get built into the operating system and relying on classic change records and somewhat of a waterfall approach to change management slows everything down and really messes up with the developers as they're doing their agile methodology because now there's other requirements where they need to inform them. And if you build it into the process where now operations is acting as like an active participant of it, then everybody's working towards the same common goal. They understand the business need, hopefully. Security maybe is even a consideration within it. And they deploy a product that is fully encompassed together. And so some of the automation tools that people are using are like Docker. It's like a micro container, like a virtual machine that's custom built specifically to run the code for that piece of work. Okay. And then because most of the stuff DevOps runs on cloud infrastructure that's automatically generated dynamic, right? And you can actually write code to spin up and tear down infrastructure in clouds. So you're not paying for services that aren't needed and you can experiment by this user gets uh, the latest beta version of the infrastructure, but the old, the the majority of our clients aren't going to be affected because that's the kind of contractual agreement that we've come up to with a company. You can spin up and down custom containers for them of like maybe Docker images 
and and the latest batch of code through these automation tools like Jenkins or uh, Travis or CircleCI or something like that. These and, and the whole view of this is you're doing continuous integration, continuous deployment. So this takes agile from just the developer and project management world across all of everything. Okay. So it's, it's actually pretty powerful. Let me, let me ask you, did we high level what waterfall development is? I don't we think We did so. a while ago. Did we? Yeah. in in um, one of our early podcasts about, you know, project management and, and development. Can you, I will quickly find it. Can you give me a, a dumb version of it? Of the waterfall development? approach lucille ball in the um working in the in the chocolate factory so everybody on the assembly line has a job to do and what they do is they do their one activity whether it be development or programming or testing uh once that piece is done then the object keeps moving down the assembly line or waterfall it keeps falling down to the next level and then the next level then has work to do so episode uh, 23, Enterprise Scale Development, talks pretty much throughout everything here. Okay. Um, but it, it, it talks about the different types of roles. So you've got your project managers, you've got your developers, you've got your IT operations folks, you've got your engineering folks, you've got your IT architects and design folks. And they operate as separate entities towards the common goal of deploying uh, like a feature release, right? It's like a larger package that gets deployed. And it requires coordination at a very high level through change management processes. Okay. Got your, cha- your change advisory board, change management practices that are tied to these larger scale releases. When you go to a DevOps approach, because everything's iterative and the more automated you can get, the better on that side from meeting the objectives of quickly shipping stuff out. That's the goal of DevOps and the Phoenix Project book that was mentioned back in the day for episode 23 talks about kind of this the, the problem with the waterfall approach in as issues arise you end up spending a lot more of your time focusing in on those individual issues than actually pushing out code and improving stuff. Okay. So if you think of shipping code and and the infrastructure out in DevOps as kind of like a factory, then you think of the individual places where backlogs can happen. And then it becomes like the Lucille Ball thing where one person gets stacked up and can't complete the workflow, maybe in the middle or downstream of it. And work just piles up at one station and it becomes frantic there. And now it becomes an emergency issue at one station. Meanwhile, other people are doing nothing and twiddling their thumbs. Right. So the whole thought of of agile is really how do we streamline this across so that everybody's kind of occupied? And the whole thought of DevOps is extending that out from just the developers and the project managers to also the infrastructure folks. If I recall correctly, her solution was just eat all the chocolates that were. But then her mouth gets backed up. Yeah, well, that that happened. And then Boy, and then there's another problem. I am showing how old I am. Right. Actually, no, that's even older than I am. What am I talking about? Yeah, you got to go to MASH or something for uh, for your age. How old do you think I am? <laughs> You're really old. You're about to get older. Oh, gosh. That's true. That's so true. Anyway, what were we talking about? 
Oh, the yeah, war. Senility. The Great War. Right. <laughs> so the war on terror. A, no, the war on drugs. Which one was my war? The war on drugs. The war on drugs was definitely Just, your war. That was our war. Yeah. The war on stars. Star stars. Wars. Ronald Reagan, the Star Wars program. Oh, uh, yeah. Whole. I think it was Nancy Reagan. Just say no. <laughs> yeah, that was the war on drugs. That was that was our war, Max. That's the war on literacy. What? No child gets left behind, Marine Corps. Ugh. Just say no. Just say no to children. What are we even talking about? I have no idea where you went to with this war on things. Uh. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to our last episode. The thing is. <laughs> yeah. You see, the thing is, well, the war and Listen, I went I went to get another can of uh of security juice. Yeah. Funny thing is when you go I can still see your can. Hey hey he talking about my buttocks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh so DevOps is typically looking at development and operations and then some people feel like sec DevOps is where you get security in there as well. And some people argue, well, that should just be a thing that DevOps incorporates anyways. And that's an interesting perspective. How do you embed security through the development process? One option is to do threat modeling. And threat modeling is taking the piece of work that's going to be developed and looking at it from what is the exposure from an attacker's perspective and then doing a data flow diagram on the different components and how they interact together that make up the system, what is exposed from the outside, and you start playing what-if games as if uh, you're an attacker. So one of the thoughts that I have when I'm driving down the street is I'm driving down a road and there's traffic coming at me from the other side of the road. Uh, There is a painted line separating us and a protocol that we all agree to of how to drive safely that stops me from smashing into the other person. There's no necessarily hard barrier between us. Basically our mutually assured desire to live that stops someone from drifting over that line. And then uh, the protocol of the driving test that we do and the regiment that we all believe in, you know, says that if the red, if the light is red, you're going to stop regardless of that there's oncoming traffic or crosswalks that have people walking across it or a bike walking across, uh, traveling across the median or, or whatever, right? You're going to essentially try to stop damaging your own vehicle, threatening your own life and threatening the lives of other people with your 2000 pound machine. Yeah. You know, it crosses my mind when I'm doing that. Like what would happen if I did that? Yeah. And, and, and so that is thinking about the potential for something to go wrong. And that is what threat modeling is. And we do it every day. We do it in different ways. If you're walking down the street and you see some unruly looking thugs that are like selling girl guide cookies, you know, maybe you cross the street to avoid them, right? Or whatever. There's hobos throwing knives at each other. You just kind of go are, a different way. Are you scared of tween age girls? Yes. Uh. Yes, I am. As as the parent of one, definitely. You know, when you think about swerving into traffic, <clears throat> did you know that there's a name for that? I I know that there's a actual condition for people that have this fleeting thought of causing mayhem. I don't know what it's called. Uh, the call of the void. 
Yeah, it's a great name, right? So dark sounding. Well, so like that's the thing is it's the idea that uh, as you as you go through like your every day, you get like sometimes these weird, dark thoughts occur to you. Um, And that's the call of the void. So most people don't have that. Oh, Um, crap. And (laughs) I mean, most people aren't scared of teenage girls selling cookies, but whatever, man. Yeah, no, but they're vicious. Like their words hurt a lot. Um, Yeah. So. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I'm leaving all of this in. Percolate. I'm leaving all of this in. Perfect. Um, Yeah. So most people think that everything's going to go well. We've got an agreed upon protocol. I travel from the train station to my house and from the train station to work, you know, enough times in the exact same way that you just go on autopilot and you go kind of mindless about it. And you don't think about things going wrong and developers aren't any different, right? They think about here's the scenario that I'm trying to achieve. And they focus in on how to make that desired course of action actually work. And they build their product for that course of action. And not a lot of thought is spent on, well, what if somebody does something wrong? Right. Right. So this is where we have the problems of abusive input that people haven't properly validated. And and we get, you know, buffer overflows because the bounds aren't properly checked. We get, you know, SQL injection. We get cross-site scripting. We get all these other common vulnerabilities because somebody only thought of the proper workflow. And they didn't think about, well, what if somebody's a jerk? And I don't know if you've seen Twitter, but most everybody's a jerk. Are we talking about uh, Tay Tweets again? Are we doing another, ep- another Tay Tweets episode? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, no, but there's like there's a lot of, of people out there that are just wanting to mess with stuff because they can, because it's fun to them or they just feel that way at that point in time. Twitter they is your that- only social media, isn't it? Twitter is. Huh. Yeah. It's not it's not exclusive to Twitter. It's okay. anytime anyone is given a voice and some semblance of anonymity that right. people are horrible, horrible people. Right. Um or any agency, yeah. not just voice. But you'd think like Friendster would with a name like that, it would be more friendly. Friendster is actually pretty solid these days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, based on that one, it goes Friendster, MySpace, trash can on fire, then just a bunch of dirty needles, and then Facebook, and then maybe Twitter. <laughs> okay, that's the that's the social media hierarchy nice. right now. Nice. Did you hear about Reddit getting hacked? By the way, yes, yes, I did. Com- complete huge aside. Uh, yeah, no, I heard about that. So, do you have any follow up? This week, uh, now that we're sixty no, minutes, fifty minutes deep into the episode, well, most of this getting edited out. But, I, uh, I don't think so. It's our last episode, man. Whatever, just love it. Your whole Embrace DevOps it. rant at the beginning needs to get edited. Are out. you kidding me? That was brilliant. <laughs> and again, the cursing. Uh, no, this is our new show. So, what are your thoughts about? A new show where instead of just, you know, family friendly, we can just be a little bit weird because I I could be a little bit weird. I think we're always a little bit weird. You could be, you know, good for the show (laughs) and I can uh, I can be drunk. 
Sounds like a plan. None of this is usable. All of this is staying in. Um, what the hell was I talking about? Insecurity. <laughs> Development. Sorry, buddy. Um, you know, for the most part, people think about how things are going to go well, right? And, and not and how people assuming, are going to try and be mean. Assuming that people aren't going to be mean or, or jerks or whatever. And I think we've seen enough of society to know that, you know, that's not the case where you put something out onto the internet that everybody's going to be good. Right. But there are going to be a few people out there that are, you know, thinking of doing harm or just inputting things incorrectly or whatever. And they have bad effects and then they go, that's curious. And maybe they, their curiosity gets them to look into that deeper and, and actually, you know, do something and exploit a problem with the product. So, what we can do with this is doing threat modeling and threat modeling is like I said, around the car uh, example before is, is thinking about, well, what if somebody does something wrong? How deep could they go? And it's actually formulating that thought around different ways that things can go wrong that have been known to go wrong before. So we have this model of, of incorrectness and what we can do about it. So the one threat model that I like to use is developed by Microsoft. This guy, Adam Shostak, developed it for Microsoft a long while ago, and it's called the Stride Threat Model. And every letter within Stride stands for something else. So spoofing is pretending to be somebody else. Tampering is messing with data. R is repudiation, where somebody can say, hey, that wasn't me, and how do you prove that it was them? I is information disclosure. D is denial of service. And E is elevation of privilege, where you go from a more restrictive right to a, somebody who has more control over a system. So then you go through, you model out the actual systems that are being developed through this DevOps process. And you think of, if I was an attacker, how could I insert myself into this? Maybe it's a phishing email against a user and they click a link. And then... What can that person do, assuming temporary control of that user's privilege? Or maybe it's just the website itself exposed to the Internet. Or maybe it's a deep in the workflow uh, logic flaw that's business logic. Right. So you kind of look at it from what could somebody do wrong? So you, you break the people down into uh, an external entity that's kind of the attacker in this case um, you have security boundaries as to what is safe and what uh, what is kind of controlled and where the system actually operates within. You have uh, the processes that affect the information. You have the repositories where the information gets stored and you have the actual flows of information. So it's the data flow and you diagram this out and then you start looking at it and you go, OK, well, what if this happened? What if that happened? And Microsoft also has another tool called the eop card game where instead of like being a security guy saying well what if this happened and the developers hating you for it you actually play this game together and they start learning about it and it's kind of one of those teaching somebody to fish and then they can actually feed themselves so you teach a developer how to think about an attacker's perspective on things suddenly they can start doing it themselves and lo and behold they don't develop in problems throughout the development life cycle and development lifecycle because of DevOps now also includes infrastructure. Huh. So that's kind of how <laughs> you look like you, you look like you're afraid that I'm going to say something. No, no, 
Not at all. Not, I was just going to break into song. inviting you to. S is for the way that you spoof me. T is for the tampering you do. R is for repudiation. I don't know what that means. I is information disclosure too. No, anyway. Oh, wait. Did you do information disclosure? Yep. Oh, nice. D is for the denial of my services. And E is elevation of privilege. That, that was it. Put them all together, you spell stride, friend. And that's about the end of this dumb song. It's brilliant. I know. Brilliant. Bravo. That's how, Bra- that's, wait, that's how wait. I remember it myself. Where's my Skype emotions? Where'd they disappear <laughs> to? Oh, golf clap. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. What were you talking about again? Why is this the best show we've ever done? All right. Anyway, for the last show, you're about to say something about after the uh, Elevation of Privilege card game, the Senior yeah, card game. I, I just think it's a pretty cool resource that you can do. Uh, it helps it you spread model cool. and, and it helps developers think about problems and it kind of adds the security expertise is still kind of needed because security experts are always learning about stuff and the newest attack patterns and whatnot, and they can bring that lens to it. But overall, it's just like a interesting way of walking through and pointing out problems and getting people to pretend like they're attackers for a little bit and how they would destroy the system. I like that it brings a gamification layer on top of the, uh, the, the main thing that people do not think about, which is the security part. Like most of the time the developers are focused on, can I get it to work? Which is perfectly acceptable because that's their bread and butter is if it's not working at all, then you can't do anything. The problem is that you have to think about it securely. So can I get it to work is cool. Sure. But once you get it sort of working, how will people try to break it in ways that you're never going to think of. And yeah. this, this elevation of privilege card game is a really interesting way to start trying to get people to think dirty. Thinking and, and weird, the cool in thing weird is it's ways. free. It's yeah. free. You can download it from Microsoft. We'll put the uh, card game in the show notes. And where pe- can people find that Matthew uh, at in security.org slash 404.html because you're not going to update the show notes. Uh, In-security.org slash EP049 is where they would find the show notes. If they get published. Yes, absolutely. Once they get, I mean, they'll eventually get published. Yeah. Um, But, but the cool thing is Microsoft came up with this. They found a way to gamify it. They're giving it away for free. And in the card game itself, there's like instructions of how to give it to a print house to get the like right right plasticized cards. So you can actually like hand decks out to developers as you go through this with them for the first time. Yeah. And then I mean, that's that's charming. It's like, uh, what's that other company? Cards Against Humanity. Yeah. Except, you know. E, O, and P stand for very different things in that game. <laughs> right. I'm not right. going to tell you what they are. I'm not allowed to. <laughs> no, no, you're not. 
Um, yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's a cool, fun way of getting people to think about things in different perspectives and you can add your lens as a security expert through stewardship to that and, and all that good stuff. And I gave a talk recently about threat modeling at task, which is Toronto area security clutch, which doesn't get recorded. So sorry. And it was actually pretty well received, even though it's pretty basic. Like if I can figure it out, everybody can figure it out. And we just kind of discussed it now. And then there's another side of it where it's actually like documenting stuff down about it. So you record it in a threat matrix and then you take that threat matrix and then you run it through your risk management side. And that's the other, that's the security side of it. But the fun part is the stuff where you work with the developers and, and business owners and you actually do all of the threat modeling. Right. So yeah, so that's DevOps with a side of threat modeling. And that's how people are deploying code into all of the cloud infrastructures, be it Google uh, with their Kubernetes or their Amazon AWS and EC2s and AMIs and all that stuff, which we should talk about at a later point in time. And Microsoft Azure, however that magic works. So they mentioned a lot of these things in this weirdo video series that you sent me. And I have, yeah. I recognize the words as human words, but I don't know what they're talking about. So like Microsoft Azure, is this a web server? Is this replacing their uh, whatever? Microsoft Azure. Yes. Microsoft whatever it is? Azure is the cloud platform that Microsoft has. Okay. So Office 365 is the applications that they have put onto their own cloud platforms, which operate off of Azure. And then you can build your own applications and deploy them through Microsoft Azure. Okay. Uh, and that's the cloud infrastructure, which can dynamically scale. The whole thing of cloud is it's dynamically scaling so that if you get a lot more requests, then you can automatically scale up and deal with those lot more requests and they just charge you more money for it. Fair enough. Uh, the downside of that is denial of service attacks against you cost you a lot more money. That is a thing. That's okay. Amazon AWS is Amazon's version of that, which is hugely popular and by far winning. And Google has their own cloud side, too. Is with, it Google Plus? <laughs> no. Uh, no, but uh, Google has put a lot of effort into their cloud side and they have open sourced a lot of their work. So Kubernetes is kind of their automatic. It's their version of Docker, which is like a virtual machine. Okay. So it's like a virtual machine that's kind of all encompassing and you can put stuff on there. And then there's like it can automatically do stuff that's kind of serverless as well. So you just use kind of compute power on the fly and you don't have to pay for like disk space as well. Very cool. And then. Of course, they have their storage options and all that stuff. We'll discuss that later. Awesome. DevOps is happening. You can't be a grumpy Maddie bear. You have to learn it and get behind it. I'm all about the conversation. I'm all about the communication between all of the, the different roles and making it so that everyone is just doing like the constant updates and the constant development. Uh, yeah. But... I mean, it's uh, it's not a good video series. It is not. I'll give you that. Um, and I apologize. And I didn't realize how bad it was till I tried to watch a few more. It's okay. I mean, it's uh, I 
sort of got some of the idea from it, clearly. But yeah, yeah the, the recommendation is people people read the Phoenix Project book. It's uh, by Gene Kim. It's really good. Yeah, it, it's really good. It, it dumbs it down very well in a way that's completely understandable by anybody who's in any role in IT and maybe even the business side and just creates hypothetical situations for problems through the storyline that is actually very believable for operations problems and how DevOps can help you. It's a little bit of a cult book, but, um, you know, DevOps is, it's definitely got its place. And, uh, my recommendation is that anybody who's been around in the IT world for a while and has been resisting DevOps, just suck it up, learn how it works and adapt to the times. You know what, buddy? I think that, uh, I think you pulled it off. I think for our last episode ever, this is a pretty good episode. So anyway, this is going to be released in like a year and a half. (laughs) Yeah. But I'll tell you what, until that year and a half is over, you should probably have yourself a good week. Yeah, man. Thanks. You too. 